0: Whoa, get a mates! WWE Hall of Famer here, Bushwhacker Luke, and I'm on W P O V quarantine, so you better be listening. See ya.
1: Whoa.
2: Hey fans, welcome back to another edition of WPOV Quarantine. I'm your host, the legend T. James Logan. And wow, what a struggle to get here, but we are here. And uh, Zoom, if you can hear me, I'm not going to blame you, I'll break my computer. Anyhow, uh, with us, our co-host as always this week, the lone wolf, Andy Anderson. Andy.
1: Always a pleasure.
2: And the always, can't you just shut up for a few minutes, Elio Canella? Or is it Canellis? I'm not <laughs> sure, Andy. What is it? It
1: depends <laughs> what day it, is. it, it's what day it is. to be here.
2: Can't remember your son's name.
1: Right. <laughs> it's like it's like rotunda, rotundo. <laughs>
2: oh, there's a legal precedent for that one, though. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> and welcoming to our show our two guests this week, the returning Chief Atikula Kula. Chief, welcome back. Always good to be here. Thank you. Good to see you. And for the first time ever, D'Lo Brown. Welcome,
3: D'Lo.
0: What's going on, guys? Pleasure to be on the show tonight. Let's uh. Let's kick back, have some fun. I've heard great things. Andy spoke highly, so I am looking forward to this.
2: Wow, I got to get him to talk better about things about me. Okay, well this (laughs) week I I talk about
1: Elio, not about you. So (laughs) Uh, uh,
2: you just probably talk. He he always tries to take over the show. That Elio. Anyhow, this week we are talking about villains, heels, the bad guys, the guys who make you want to watch make you want to hate them, make you want to get up, yell, swear. You know, I always laugh that professional wrestling is the only thing where you can actually go into a crowd with people and give someone the finger and tell them to go F themselves. And it's cool. Nobody seems to care. Only only in professional wrestling can you really do that. (laughs) So let's talk about those people, though, that make you hate them. And we're also going to talk about the evolution because it seems like the villains of yesterday – It's quite a bit different than villains today are looked at. And we're going to go through that and talk about some of our favorite villains. And we have two guys who are not, well, they're not strangers to portraying villains now and then. I know Chief, he's got that flip-flop, depending where he is. Sometimes he's a good guy, but lots of times he's a bad guy. And D'Lo Brown, I seem to remember something about a chest plate and getting a lot of people pretty pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) That was a legit injury. And if you've met Andy Anderson.
0: Look, right here, it hurts.
2: Right now. I was kind of hoping you were going to wear it.
1: (laughs) Right in the heart. Oh,
2: I was kidding. You don't have to get it. (laughs) And if you've ever met Andy Anderson, you know what a true villain is. So let's get going with today's show. (laughs) First of all, guys, villains, wrestling is built on good guy versus bad guy. And that's kind of how it's been for, or had been for many, many years. It started off uh, on, you know, back in the 40s and 50s on television, especially, where there was the shining, today we would call them bland, but at the time they were the heroes. Guys like Vern Gagne would come out and he'd be the shining example of the everyman. Now, let's talk about that, first of all, because the everyman needed a villain. And, Chief, I'm going to ask you, first of all, dig back in the old vaults there. What were the most effective villains in the old days? Well, I I think
3: back in the day, it was was more black and white. You know, the lines are a little blurred now, but I I still think it can be black and white. Too many people try to be a cool villain now, and I I think that's, you know, part of Mm -hmm. the problem. But um, uh, we, we had some great villains like um i know one of my favorites back in like the late 70s early 80s and kind of the bob Backlund era of wwe was don morocco Mm -hmm. Uh, if you if you go watch the late 70s early 80s uh, morocco was just excellent and you know he nobody cheered him you know (laughs) um Another another one, of course, uh, was Tolly Blanchard. Even even with the four horsemen, mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. they started getting – kind of being the cool heels, people would still cheer him They you know, someone would cheer Arn, Rick, yeah, you know, and Barry Wyndham, but they never cheered Tolly. Yeah. No one Tully cheered. Tolly was a to heel's that. heel. Nope.
2: <laughs> Everyone hated him.
3: Most people in the locker room did too, but that's another story. another <laughs> oh, uh, story. Yeah, that's
2: next yeah. week's episode. <laughs> but uh,
3: because I guess he lived the gimmick. But, you know, I mean, there's there was some – but, you know, when you were a heel, you – you were a heel. I think a lot of times in the, in this era, people want to be the cool heel. They want to sell merchandise. Mm-hmm. um So I, I think sometimes the lines are, are blurred now. But but you can still um you know I go places where I'm a heel, and they I, you can still make people hate you. It's really not that hard. You can still do the old school things, and they work. But uh, too many people, a lot, a lot of the guys I think these days they they'll walk to the ring and and maybe argue with the crowd but then when they get in the ring they just wrestle they kind of forget being a heel in there Mm -hmm. you know but but i was always like uh you know ox baker always taught me he he did a lot of my early training you know and he he's like if you're a heel and you can reverse the hold you don't reverse the hold you rake the eyes (laughs) you know you never out wrestle the face Mm -hmm. and uh You know, and and just if you can do something dastardly to get out of a hold, you do that instead of doing something scientific. I mean, that's it was basic black and white, you know, heel face.
2: Okay. now, Dila, when you started off and you were directed to be a heel, what kind of things were you taught? What what kind of what was the philosophy for you to be the heel when you started?
0: Um, You were taught to. For lack of a better term, be a dick. Mm -hmm. Um, You wanted to make people mad at you. You wanted people to literally jump out of the crowd and punch you in the face so you know and i'll agree with chief like it's funny he says ox baker that was one of my first versions of a heel that i remember watching you know watching his heart punch i quivered when i saw him fold the arm over and he was gonna wind up for the heart punch like that was the heel like i wanted him to lose i i tuned in every week to watch this man get beat and when he didn't it brought me back next week. So to me the heel is the, the, the driving force because without a heel there's no babyface. Without a foil, there's no hero. And 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 to me a heel has to be that guy who does he, he could be a great wrestler. He can be technically sound, but he takes every shortcut. He does everything the easy way. Where the babyface on the other side Works hard, says his prayers, does you know, eats his vitamins, works in the gym. He does all the grunt work, goes out and runs thirty miles a day, and the heel, he does nothing. He, he lays in bed and then he shows up with a ring and he cheats. The guy who pisses you off, that's what a heel's supposed to be. He's supposed to be the guy who makes you mad. Okay. And to me, that's a heel. And if you have that. Which, and I will agree with Chief, again, I think that's what's missing in today's business, is we have people who want to play as Shades of Grey, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. where from day one, the great, you know, the most popular selling book on the planet is the Bible. You know why? It is good versus evil. From day one, it is good versus evil. And wrestling is literally good versus evil in, in its different forms. And as long as you have that that evil here, and the stronger that evil is, it just makes your baby face even bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how, I mean, I have a, look, I, I love being a heel. There are no rules to being a heel. It is go out there and make people mad at you. Make people upset. Make people want to come back and see you lose. And you piss them off when you don't. Mm-hmm. That's being a heel, mm-hmm. and I don't think people embrace that anymore. you know guys like you know Freddie Blassie and Tully Blanchard or you know um you know Don morocco and i I'm, I'm stealing on here or you get you get guys like you know just who want to be hated and i'll I'll give you another example the four horsemen just like chief said, the horsemen were getting that cool kind of vibe and Tully's getting the ring and get booed. And he loved it because he was a true heel of the group. Okay. I've always wanted to be that guy with the black hat in wrestling. I want to be the guy who makes my baby face look good. I want to be so bad that Hitler could walk through the curtain and you would cheer. Exactly! <laughs> wow. That's what I want to be as a heel. Like okay. That's the mentality you have to have being a heel and trying to draw money in wrestling.
3: Okay. If you make them hate you bad enough, it doesn't matter who walks to that curtain. To it next does
0: step. not matter who walks to the curtain. I, as a heel, when I walked to the ring, I didn't care who I was wrestling. They were going to pop for him because they hated me so much. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: And that's the mentality you have to have. Literally, you could have Hitler walk to the ring and they would go, holy shit
2: you know they would be happy <laughs> get him hitler <laughs> do you to get beat? Yeah. okay okay now here's an interesting thing that um you guys uh, just listening to you guys which are painting this picture in my head and it's a picture when I, I dig deeper and and it seems like there is no easy path here because on one hand and and correct me if i'm wrong one hand uh the the good guy the face he he has to work hard. He has to wrestle. He has to do all the fancy things and look on the side of good. Mm-hmm. And while the heel may have, can get away with doing a lot less things. He's doing a lot more in a different way. He's not maybe doing more physical stuff, but he's doing a lot more mental stuff that he's trained to the crowd.
1: Yeah, psychology. Yeah. The, the, psychology. The psychology.
2: Yeah. So my question then is what is harder? Like in your guys' career, you guys of all three of you have have been heels and villains what's are are sorry heels and faces what what 's easier what do you find is harder to do and, and i'll i 'll start off with andy first andy what do you, what do you find is the easier thing, and what do you prefer to do and don 't tell me you 're old and you don't want to run around anymore I mean well. <laughs> back in the prime we 're talking prime andy here okay?
1: even it's funny well, even prime but you know like going back to like to what Dilo said and what she said like i like I echo all of that uh as far as like you know what a heel is what makes a good heel my thing was always uh you know the dragon slayer and the dragon so the bigger and badder the dragon was then you know that gave the opportunity for the the dragon slayer to to shine um you know uh, wanting to be uh, the ideal worker good worker consummate professional i'd say well it shouldn't matter cuz you know baby face heel you know, whatever whatever is needed is is what you you know what you do um And I'm kind of curious, I mean, I'll answer this in my way, but I'm kind of curious to hear D'Lo and Chief. For me, I've always found being a heel to be easier. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, people say like, you know, I'm a nice guy outside of the ring and all that. But to me, uh, to kind of turn it to a different level to, you know, as Dilo alluded to, it's like, when you want to be a dick. And it's like being a nice person in everyday life You know, you come across you come across all the assholes, you come across all the dicks, and it's like you know, you pick out little for me it's always like you pick out things there that what makes that person so annoying. And it's like these are the types of things, these are the pieces of the puzzle that I would, you know, make as part of the Andy Anderson kind of heel persona, heel character. So I don't know, there's just a a natural for me it's just always been more natural to be a heel. Mm I could I could you, know, you could be a face you work it properly but uh you know and dilo said too it, it's it's a lot more fun it, to me it's infinitely more fun to be a heel Definitely than a baby face yeah. and yeah. you know to just to add on to how you know he was saying about uh how good it was for that you know reception for people to show up because they want to see you get beat and and you don't get beat and they get more pissed off and they come back to me, one of the greatest feelings and one of the most fulfilling feelings as a heel mm-hmm. is at the end of the match when you're laying there and you're getting that one, two, three where mm-hmm. you're actually finally getting pinned and the crowd erupts because mm-hmm. finally, you know, the the dragon has been slayed.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, you know, you've done your part. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that mm-hmm. is just an amazing feeling. And, and I, I think only like true heels could actually understand that
3: yeah you and i talked about that a a couple of weeks
1: ago yeah
3: yeah yeah for sure okay
1: yeah
2: i was going to come back to that in a minute for you chief i I had a question about that um dilo um your biggest uh success at the time uh, in the wwe you were part of uh like a group of uh heels but you guys were kind Mm -hmm. of cool heels and this was kind of like where the evolution now of heels were starting to go from people just didn't like in the old days when we were talking about villains and I, you know, I look back to like the most famous villains that in my youth that I just riled me or just got me angry. I mean, I had the stomper, you know, Archie Goldie, he mm-hmm. he was, he was a dick. Okay. And he was a bully. Right. And then you had bad news, Allen, or I guess bad news, Brown. And bad uh, what news a, great deal. what oh. a great deal! What oh, a great man.
4: deal!
2: You know the the stuff he he you knew if you ran into him somewhere he'd still dress you down and make you feel like crap. You know it was just the way he did things we, as his, we can, go to his we, we can go to his can go to grave right now, pull his bones out. He still kick my ass. Yeah. <laughs> that I mean, does sound. That does sound. So now we I, I know like I when I'd read a few things. um, I I just had, and this had nothing to actually do with the show. I was just reading some all kinds of history stuff and I was reading about villains and things and your name popped up pre WWE before you popped up and how you were working. I think it was Smoky Mm -hmm. Mountain maybe. And they were directing you to be a heel and you know, you had new Jack and these guys doing some outrageously Mm -hmm. crazy stuff. And then you come up and they put you in this kind of faction where everyone's kind of cool. Like, let's face it, the nation of domination. There were some cool people that were Mm -hmm. acting in there even though they were the villains what did you think of that kind of was it hard to portray that I mean they have you you know the character is inherently cool but you're still a dick and you're still supposed to make people hate you but Mm. we're getting into that point where people are starting to like the dicks in wrestling like the heels. And, 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 yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I don't like Dixon wrestling. We're on yeah. Wrong show. <laughs> Andy will be hosting that show next. No.
1: That's the custom <laughs> show. Special guest. Raven. Uh, sorry.
0: <laughs> Growing up uh, as I did with Smoky Mountain and being part of the gangsters. And we were this, for those who don't know backstory, we were three black guys in the South. Calling out white people for their atrocities. Yeah. And shining the light, realistically, turning the light and shining it back on them. We were heels because we showed the world how ignorant they were. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then we just magnified it.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, then, you know, that we were really true heels, like the Klan rallied against us. Um, but then coming to the WWE where it's more, and was skewing towards more entertainment-based. Mm-hmm. Um, we were heels, but we were also entertainers. So it wasn't about inciting someone to try to shoot you. It was just making someone pissed off. And then the same person would be at the lobby of the hotel going, oh, you know, can I have your autograph? You're so great. It was a little weird because I had come from true heat and Smoky Mountain wrestling. Mm-hmm. Where it was, I literally was trying to make someone, you know, kill me. In you know, the, the way we talked, we did things. As a heel, we wanted to make people make, you know, get out there and just riot. Whereas in WWE, it was more like, make them mad, but don't make them, you know, make them cross over the line and be angry. Because they still got a virus. They still got a... It's still a corporate giant, so it was a little. It was a little weird to be part of that, but you just try to embrace what you're in and be the the best heel you can be, um. And just just roll with the punches, okay. You know, but for me, um, you know, deep down inside, and then I'll go back to Andy. Uh, what what he was just saying is. It's easier to be a heel, and I'll give you an example. Is it easier to make someone like you or hate you? Imagine going to a bar, and there's a girl sitting there. I can piss her off in four words. It might take four years for me to make her like me.
1: Mm -hmm. I see that. Good point.
0: Do you know what I'm saying? I I think that's...
1: (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. Okay, I I was just going to say, just to throw into that, just to kind of... Kind of add further to what you're saying, in, t- in hopes that you'll kind of you you can kind of work off of this. As time has gone on, you know, and things get blurred, it's become increasingly difficult to make people like you. Like back, you know, we're talking like '70s, '80s, and things were pretty you know black and white, pretty and dry. Like, yeah. Whereas nowadays, right, like it, 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 to try and be a baby face, gee whiz! But look,
0: well, and, and it, it started it started an attitude where. Baby faces started to be revolted upon because you were that, you wipe me baby face, let's go. And the crowd turned on it because it was too much, you know, Opie Taylor. It was too much too goody two shoes. Yeah. You can't be that way. Whereas before, you know, we had talked about earlier in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, the everyday man was the. The, the guy who, you know, did all the right things and didn't sleep with the girl until he was married and, and whatever whatever whatever. A man of virtue. Yes. Whereas come attitude era, that guy and the line between baby face and heel started getting blurred and actually flipped where the heel became the baby and the baby became the heel. And that was a that was a microcosm of society because exactly. it was starting to yeah. change. You could actually look at TV shows from 97, 98, 99. And look, one of the biggest shows of, of, of the early 2000s was, you know, vampires and wolves were baby faces. Mm-hmm. no. Always heels before. You know, Twilight was everything mm-hmm. because the line blurred in society.
3: Yeah, even music, you know, yeah. if you it, listen to music.
0: It, from there. I mean, it, it was, it was we went from F the police, which is a bad thing, to gangster rap was a good thing
3: mm-hmm. in,
0: yeah. like, a weekend. Mm-hmm. So lines got blurred, and it, and wrestling, no matter what happens in the mm-hmm. world, is a reflection of society. And wrestling will always be a cause of what is happening in the real world. So when the world goes work and it started in 1989, you know, when good is bad and bad is good, what did wrestling do? Wrestling gave us Stone Cold, the guy who flipped his boss off. Mm-hmm. Wrestling gave us Attitude, which... The world was flipped upside down, and good was bad, and bad is good, the south and south is west. But that's what wrestling is. And, and wrestling promotes the heels.
2: <laughs> heels draw. Okay. Well, you know what? As we talked here about like the evolution, like we, we, we have in the beginning of wrestling the clear cut heel. There's no, yeah. you look at these guys in the, the thing, none of them were tweeners. They weren't in between stuff. They weren't, mm-hmm. sometimes they were good. Sometimes they were bad. They were always bad. And then we look at the attitude there and we see a lot of people who are starting to slip in between that. But I guess, you know, as we are talking, there's one part that I don't think we should uh, discount. And that's that strange little area where the WWF took all their bad guys and made them cartoon bad guys. And a great example of this is you guys brought up Don Morocco, who I've seen a ton of matches with. And I remember Don Morocco as a horrible, mean-spirited bully of a man who you hated. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I also remember in 84 watching a cartoon called Don Morocco Takes a Bath, which where it was all the Hulk Hogan show where all the bad guys were animated. And sure, they were bad, but they were lovable bad guys. And there is a weird evolution of the heel there, where all of a sudden they're still doing bad stuff, but the WWF is telling us that they're not really bad guys, they're characters. And that's no much more so in the kind of 80s era, where all of these bad guys all have cartoons and things and stuff like that. Now, do you think that if we hadn't had that, we came across that era and we didn't cartoonize the villain for a while, do you think we would still evolve to the way things went now? I'm I'm curious about that. Chief, what do you think?
3: Yeah, it's it's hard to tell, you know, just like anything over the history of time, one little event can alter things and go a completely different direction. So well, um well, th- th- yeah, things things might have changed but in a different direction than now. It it just uh but yeah, that probably did have an effect somewhat on on uh you know, and of course Shortly after that is kind of when WWF opened up and kind of broke kayfabe. I mean, people always kind of knew in the background, but it was never spoken. You know, uh, so that so all that all that uh, changed things. You know, um, like I said, I think I think you can still get legitimate heat today. It's a little bit yeah. harder, but you can do it. Like I, I've had guys, uh, younger guys on shows, ask me like like they're heels, but they don't get as they don't get nearly the heat I do, and they ask me how I do it. But I point out little things to him, like at intermission. When I'm a heel, I'm not going to be out there signing nobody's autograph. Kid asked me for an autograph when I'm a heel. I'm not going. I'm going to walk away from them. Mm-hmm. But these guys, I'll see they're 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 out there the bad guy. But then in intermission, they're out there signing autographs, shaking hands.
4: Mm-hmm. Well,
3: okay. they know you're not a bad guy, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because, like Andy said earlier, like he's a, he's a nice guy outside of the ring, and most people think that I am too. But <laughs> it, it's. <laughs> It's, um, but yeah, but, but you, you kind of, and d can probably point this out, it's not 100% true, but most of the time, the guys that are the heels are actually the nicer guys outside yeah. the ring than the guys I've that are the baby faces.
1: And I've said it too, yep. Yeah, and oh, I've seen that now. for
3: 35 years. I mean, that's just, that 90% of the time, that stands to be true. Yeah. But I think um, your original question about whether it's easier, easier to be heel or face, I think it's kind of personal preference. I know some guys that, are predominantly faces and they've had to be healed every once in a while. They think it's harder to be heal, but they yeah. like getting the cheers. Personally, I don't like, I can be the face and I can get cheers, but it. I don't get the same adrenaline rush. Yeah. When people are booing me and I'm getting people mm-hmm. angry, I get the adrenaline rush. I get off more on that than the cheers, the cheers. I'll just go through the motions. I can get them, but it doesn't really give me that same high that, you know, uh, that getting booed does. Um, but, and for me, when I, when I, when they, you know, some places have me work as face, it's a little harder because I'm 350 pounds. And most of the time on this indie scene now, guys are smaller. Mm-hmm. I'm working guys that are much smaller than me. Well, how am I the underdog? If I'm, if I'm yeah. 350 and I'm yeah. wrestling a 200 pound guy, I'm not the underdog. Yeah. And when, when you, when, when you're a, when you're a, a face, you really kind of need to be the underdog, you know, Definitely. so people can get behind you. People like an underdog, you know. It's funny so, um, we're
1: talking talking about you know like the people that are like kind of perennial faces, and you know we've all either talked to him, know him, whatever. But I mean, Glamour Boy Shane is the penultimate oh baby. Yeah, see, but the the penultimate ultimate, baby, ultimate
0: face. baby face.
1: Yeah, you know yeah. They, they they tried to put turn him heel, and it didn't last very long. And and that's just not Shane. Shane's just the right. baby face, and.
2: Yeah, but we just had him on. And he was the nicest guy in the world. He, yeah, he's, he's going an exception to the rule. <laughs> oh, okay,
3: yeah. okay. But he's he. If you asked him this question, he would probably say it's harder to be a heel. Yeah, mm.
2: that well, makes uh, me wonder. I, Sorry, go
3: well,
0: ahead. It, 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 is, it is for certain people. It is definitely difficult to be one thing or the other. Um, you know, i I'm, I'm I'm to know me. I'm a video game guy nerd mm-hmm. who is an accountant. But if you get me in a wrestling ring and you tell me to be a heel, that character comes from the guy I always wanted to be. Not who I am, the guy I always wanted to be. So I was able to find that. But, like, some people can't do that. So it's hard. I find it easier to be a heel.
2: I find Mm -hmm. it easier, in (laughs) my opinion. Now, here's the interesting thing, okay, and this is going really deep, weird psychology now, is um, the three of you, you play effective heels. You know, you guys are generally pretty nice guys, right? Um, I always wonder, like, when I think in my head and I hear that, and I, and especially when you guys tell me how how much it feels great to be the, conco- the, the heel that gets, you know, finally gets conquested over. He's, you know, you, you're helping throw over the good guy. And in my head, I'm, I'm always thinking like, man, I have a hard time when people think I'm a dick doing something normal. How, how can you guys, I don't know if I could do that. Like if I could take people, you know, I, I, I go back to when I read this old pro wrestling illustrated and who knows if it's fake or not, but in my head, I'm going to say, maybe it was real. And it was talking about Tommy rich and how Tommy rich had just tried to be a bad guy for just a couple weeks in memphis and he said when a 5-year-old kid comes up to you and cries and looks in your face i just can't do it anymore and i was just like what what i got to commend you guys for being i guess mentally strong to be able to take the 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 vilification uh have you guys ever had to deal where it, it was like real vilification cuz i mean it seems in these days wrestling fans are trained to oh he's the bad guy boo you know but have you guys ever felt really like these people f and hate me? Absolutely. I mean, probably, probably Dilo didn't say it. It's Mountain, but uh, uh, can you each give well, me a little story of, of of feeling like that? Is it okay if I jump in?
0: Yeah, your go roll? ahead, please. Go please. Ahead. Um, you know, it's easy to realize you're the villain when you're in Puerto Rico. <laughs> <a> <laughs> I don't know. You walk to the ring, and they start. There's rocks flying from the arena floor, you know, and and they're flying from the stands because they hate you, or there's some kid who's selling cups of rocks outside the front of the arena for ten cents apiece, or when you see a kid who's got a pair of vice grips, a lighter, and a penny, and he's heating the penny up oh, no. in hopes that he can touch <laughs> your arm. With the hot penny, yeah. When those are the the times when you go, yeah, I, I'm the heel. <laughs> I'm 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 the guy they want to hurt, and and you know when I will go back to Puerto Rico because that's probably the the large example of it when the office told, you, okay, you're you're a bad guy on TV. When you go out into the town, people are going to try to cut you. (laughs) Yikes. Or when you're wrestling Carlos, and in the middle of the match, he goes, you know, we can't go near the stands. Why? That woman's got a knife. Oh, my. (laughs) Yes. That makes you a heel. (laughs) Wow. So, yeah... And that was the early examples of being a heel. I didn't get to the clan rallying against us.
1: This is what I want. I want to hear something from Smoky Mountain. <laughs> I want to hear a Smoky Mountain example. Yeah. Look,
0: there, there's there is the one story where um, I, I forget the town, but we're wrestling the Rock and Roll Express, and we get we drive into the town, and there's the clan there. You know how every little town's got welcome to. Yeah. yeah, Manchester, whatever, and it's just this big statue, you know, big stone Banners. thing, yeah. and it's got the founding date and the mayor and all that gaga. Well, as you drive into town, there's some clan guys with signs saying "Gangsters, go home." <laughs> <laughs> so now we go to this gym, high school gym, that's full of 2,000 people. Wrestling the Rock and Roll Express, we're gonna beat the Rock and Roll Express. We're in the main event. Well, Jim Cornette puts us on the, 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 at, at the intermission and literally says, back your car up to the door. Put all your stuff in the car. One, two, three. Fight out the door. Get in your car. And don't stop till you get back to Knoxville. <laughs> okay? Because you don't and, and from what I understood, the people were waiting around the back door for us to walk out at the end of the show. <laughs> that's heat.
1: That's awesome.
3: That's, we're going to kill you, heat. Hey, Dila, now, when, you, when you walked in that gym of 2,000 people, were there more sheets, white sheets in there than there is in a Bed Bath & Beyond?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, baby, and you know, it have jack on this. You
1: know what? It, 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 I love it though because you're talking about this stuff. You're talking about the clan and earlier you're, you're giving us a description about you know how much you know how hated you want to be as a heel. For Hitler to come out as a baby face, and you still be the hated ones. I think that could happen there. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It, yeah, exactly. it happened yeah. there.
0: <laughs> you, you know what? You know what? The coolest feeling was in the world. And Andy, I'll go back to about 20 minutes ago when you're talking about laying down the one, two, three. And yeah. people go, ah. when you get the one, two, three, the other way, and the arena goes, stun, silence. silence. Ah,
4: yeah.
0: <laughs> they yeah. Stun, silence. Yeah. And, that's, and when you, yeah.
1: <laughs> that's when it's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. That's when it's dangerous. You cut that tension with a but knife. It, 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 yeah.
0: As a heel, you're like, oh, yes, this is what's. You now own them. you know you're going to pay it forward. It may yes. not be today or tomorrow, but you're going to pay it forward. But the fact that I have this, yep. the fact that it was given to me from these people, and now it's going to it's going to it's going to manifest throughout the territory of what this night was. Oh, and then that's only seconded by the one, two, three when you get beat, yep. and you hear that eruption. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take away the fourth wall here, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen. A cheer and a boo are the same thing. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yep. Amen. The bigger the cheer, I know I helped. The yes. bigger the boo, I know I helped. Yes. So it's the same thing to me. Uh, it,
3: it,
0: worst thing a wrestler could have. Is no sound while we're working. Yep,
3: yeah. exactly.
0: The worst thing a wrestler could have is indifference when yes. we're in the ring. All right. But yes. if I have cheering and booing, I don't care. I am. I am in love. I am in love. I am in love.
3: Because yep, that means they're emotionally they're emotionally invested, and that's yes. what we want. Sir, Drama. Yes, emotion. sir, Chief. Yeah. I need emotion. Yeah.
0: And now, 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 Tom, I got a question for you because we've yep. been.
2: Sorry, I'm, I'm a hijack the show for I second. <laughs> Go right ahead. Oh, Two. wait a sec. We got to run in. Oh, oh, Rick Serrano oh, the third. Man, our co-host over you from WPO Wrestling. You couldn't a
1: worse time to cut in to a yeah. show. <laughs> Let, you know, we're talking. We're talking about heels, and we're talking about heat. Yeah. So the person that has the most heat in this show at this very moment wait, is like, Rick Serrano the mean? third because you yeah. just cut off D'Lo Brown.
4: All right. <laughs> uh, First things first, I am so sorry, Dilo. Second thing is, my name is Rick, but you might as well call me Mark, because I'm looking at the real deal now. Woo! <laughs> bro, 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 let me tell you something, bro. You are the greatest European champion of all time. I don't care what anybody says. Secondly, <laughs> secondly, I, I think I'm up to thirdly. Thirdly, I wore a catcher's chest pad when I would wrestle with my cousins. And I was frog splash them. That's what I would do. That was my that was my thing to you, man. Wearing the catcher's gear on my chest, cause I and I walk around doing that shuffle, bro. They're going too. You the man, son. You the man. <laughs> right, look, I appreciate it.
0: Now I'm gonna turn heel on you. How Uh-oh. dare you walk into my conversation as I'm trying to lay down some knowledge, and you walk in here half-ass hour late
4: trying to drop something. Sit back. I'm sorry, Delesson. But maybe but maybe I maybe my fourth thing. <laughs> your frog oh, cut me off again. <laughs> your frog slash your frog slash? Second to none. I'm ta- RIP to Eddie, but you, your frog slash, finger licking good. A1 steak sauce on that.
3: I'll be back in a minute, guys. I gotta go get my uh crowbar so i can try his lips off delo's back <laughs> <laughs> i need it i i, I,
0: I will say in all seriousness um uh, before i go back to another point because yeah. tom i got a question for you
2: yes um
0: I, I appreciate i appreciate the things you said and i i will say this about the frog splash because it's important
2: <laughs> people
0: tell me i have the best frog splash i don't care I'm in a long line of lineage of guys, and if I'm in the top one, two, or three of guys who did the Frost flesh in History of Wrestling, I'm sitting freaking pretty. Mm-hmm. So I don't care if I'm the first. I don't care if it's Eddie's or Rob's or... I pay homage to Art Barr who started the whole damn thing. Mm-hmm. That's why I did it. That's why I started it. And, and look, if I've got a, a cool little place in wrestling where someone said I did a move better than someone else and there's an argument <laughs> I won. The, I, as Jim Cornette would say I won the damn pony um because nice. I won so I'm good with that
2: excellent well then you know what uh, Rick we, we're we're talking about here is the psychology of being a villain and Dilo was just about to tell us a bit more about that I guess we can look at it as and I don't want to sound insulting because it's not and, and, and you can look at it this way. Some people, old school guys may say what I'm going to say here, slightly insulting, but the fact is wrestlers in a way are kind of like artists. Okay. It is a performance mm-hmm. art that is directed to work your emotions. And if you can really get people to invest in love or hate, you have, as an artist have hit your pinnacle. And Dilo was just about to tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I was just going to ask you a question, Tom. Yeah. What, in your opinion, and I'll,
0: I'll put it the whole panel yep. everyone here before I give my answer, my perspective. Mm-hmm. What is your determination between difference between a bay face and a heel?
2: Oh, it's been such a confusing because, you know, I've been watching wrestling for 40 years and seeing mm-hmm. things change uh, so much from when I was a little boy to now that the villain has changed a lot. It's hard to keep track of who the villain is. And... Mm-hmm. Um, This day and age, uh, there are very few guys who elicit a real hateful response because they let me forget that they are wrestlers, that they're performers. Mm -hmm. They let me immerse themselves in hating them for what they're doing. And here's a weird example. Originally, the man that I had booked for the show two weeks ago was already set to come on and had a terrible tragedy happen to him. Okay, and he the reason I asked him specifically for the show, because he was the one guy that when we used to turn on ROH and watch him, my wife, who barely watches wrestling, was invested in hating him so much with the way he acted. And we hated him so much that I had a second car and we named that car Jimmy Rave because we hated it so much. We hated that car. And, you know, so Jimmy, he was one of the few guys in the last you know, while that managed to elicit real hate out of me. And that's what a villain is. But I see it a lot. There is not real a lot of villains left.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Guys are too cool. In the indie thing, it's right. You meet the guys and they're super nice. But they come out. And and you know, in the old days, I mean Chief talked about and you talked about this before. In the old days, uh the good guys sold merchandise and the bad guys the good guys gave them a cut because they knew they couldn't go out and sell their stuff because yeah. bad guys don't do that. But every show you go to today, every single good guy, bad guy in between her has a t-shirt for sale. They're all going to be out there at intermission flogging them, kissing babies and doing whatever. So it detracts from what a villain is, right? So okay. to answer, for me at the end, the ultimate villain will always be for me the guys like Bad News Allen and Jimmy Ray. Either you're such a chicken shit heel that does crappy stuff like Jimmy Rave that you can never get your hands on him and you want to throw toilet paper and beat him with a plunger, or he's like Bad News Allen where he is so freaking scary, you know he'll beat the crap out of you, your girlfriend, and your mom and laugh at the whole time doing it, and you know he can do it, and you know he probably will do it. Those are the villains that I see.
0: Okay. Uh, I'll throw around to the rest of the guys in the panel real quick before I give my answer.
1: Keith, do you want to
3: go yeah um that's one thing that thomas just mentioned is the chicken shit heel, and that's something that a lot of people don't want to play anymore mm-hmm. uh, i think that's something that we're missing nobody <laughs> want they want to be the cool heel nobody wants to be the chicken heel, and uh the, the few guys that do do that get a lot of heat for it still because yeah. nobody's doing it much anymore you know everybody mm-hmm. wants to be cool i i don't um to address something else he said is uh i don't when i'm a heel i don't even take merchandise with me i take merchandise and i sell a lot as a face but when i'm when i'm a heel i don't have a merch table you know i'm not going to be out there trying to sell stuff because you got to be nice to people and and i want legit heat so uh there's still a few of us that still do that but yeah most of it these days especially on the indie scene it's about selling your t-shirts and everything else and and uh and uh so that yeah, it gets dropped by the wayside, but yeah, being being a heel. When I another thing that Thomas said earlier too is he's talking about. He was talking about us, you know, three of us playing heels. When I'm when when I go through the curtain, when I'm a heel, I don't play a heel. Mm-hmm. I actually believe it when I walk through the curtain. Yes. Like when I for that twenty minutes, I'm out there. When I walk yes. through that curtain, I believe everything I'm saying, and I think that's the only way the crowd's going to believe you too. Like you can tell the guys that are playing a character. And the guys mm-hmm. that believe what they're saying. And if you don't believe what you're saying, the crowd's not going to believe it. I think, I think, um, you know, a listening emotion, which I've talked about before on here, good wrestling is drama. And a listening emotion is the most important thing. Your, your character, uh, the things you do, all all of us do a lot of the same moves. The moves don't matter as, I mean, you can, you can get all ooze and ahs with some big moves, but like I said, a year from now, two years from now, people aren't going to remember what you did. They're going to remember the way you made them feel. So mm-hmm. I, I think wealthy, I think wealthy. that's much more important than any move anybody does. You know, yes. the character eliciting the emotion from the crowd telling the story, you know, I can, I can do fish hooks and, and eye rakes and, and get more emotion than I'm going to get if, if I do, you know, a splash off the top rope. I might get an ooh and off for that, but if I make them upset, Make them feel emotion. They're going to remember that. I remember stuff the way when I was a kid, when I went to wrestling, I still remember the way different uh, wrestlers made me feel, you know, to this day. And I kind of miss that because once you get in the business and you know a lot of things, how everything's done, you kind of – do you do, do any of you guys ever get that kind of miss when you were a kid and the dis you know, the where you suspended the disbelief and yeah. you were actually into it. Like I remember those days it was a long time ago curtain. for me,
1: you're behind the curtain. Now you've seen right. all the magicians tricks. So we know everything. <laughs> yeah. But, but, yeah. Uh,
3: but yeah, I still remember, you know, I forget a lot of moves that I might've seen and what happened in a match, you know, 30, 40, forty—well, longer than that because I've been wrestling thirty-five years, forty-five years ago. But I remember how different wrestlers made me feel. You know, when I was when I was little, I used to hate Colonel Buck Robley. Met him later on in life, but um, he he elicited emotion in me. He made me, mm-hmm. you know, he just made me hate him. I wanted to see him get beat all the time because he was a despicable character, you know. And 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 I and I, I couldn't even tell you half the stuff half the stuff he did in the ring now. But I still remember how he made me feel. Hmm.
0: Okay.
1: I, I don't know that there's much more I could add to what Tom said what chief said kind of the combination of the two for me uh, just you know the to me the you look at the the black and the white the good and the evil and it's it's to me it's it's the evil it's all the bad it's as D'Lo said earlier you know it's when you could counter wrestle but instead you take a shortcut it's all about the shortcuts the cheap shots uh, it's all about the just the 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 ugliness the everything just bad wrong and depending where you are because i mean you know where you are in alberta might be different than where you are in iowa or where you are in puerto rico or i mean there's going to be some underlying you know mm-hmm. bad is bad but there's going to be certain things that you know might be worse in in some spots but at the end of the day it, it's, it's like she said though it's it's you know, not what you do; it's it's what you make people feel. And from my own personal experience over the past, you know, six seven years. And and Tom, you, you've seen enough. Like mm-hmm. everything you've gone through about being a cool heel, for me, I've tried to avoid all that. I've gone out of my way. I've you know had several conversations with people about merch as a heel. No merch. Have I lost money? Yep. Absolutely. But I think about the the longevity of of Andy Anderson as a heel and and how the the heat that I've kept over the years and you know that's probably been more beneficial for me because i could i've had a longer run <laughs> you are that's blessed
3: we, we think long term and not just the just the moment you know yeah, exactly think, you
1: know, exactly yeah. and i mean and tom I, I know you've been to shows like i've mm-hmm. for me a great indicator for me two indicators one is they could be talking you know the announcer could be talking about something at a show they could just say the name andy anderson Yep. And the crowd starts chanting, Andy sucks. Yep, I'm not even out there. It's just, you know, oh, something, da-da-da-da-da, Andy Anderson. Mm-hmm. And then there's that. The other great thing for me, which is one of the greatest compliments, and I've received this from more than one person, is, again, going back to, you know, Chief saying it, it's not what you do, it's how you make them feel. People have come, you know, they've come to me after matches like, man, it's like, everybody hates you so much. It's like, well, thank you. It's like, but you don't do anything. <laughs> I know. And that's well, thank you. Yeah, that that that's the whole whole part of it is you know I said like for me like a high spot's kicking the bottom rope and going who sucks now. So you know I mean that's some of the like the the the, the less is more. And mm-hmm. if you're you're gonna commit to being a heel, then man mm-hmm. you got to go both feet in the water you know ten thousand mm-hmm. percent. After the show, same thing you know like if there's still fans hanging around and you right. know we're starting to tear stuff down, I'll either wait. Or if, you know, I will go if, if there's a, a congregation of people over here, I'll go over to the far side and start grabbing chairs because mm-hmm. I have zero desire to talk to anybody.
3: I had a promoter mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, uh, we, my tag team partner, and I made this, this little girl cry in the front row. Mm-hmm. And uh, afterwards, we we're in the back and the, the promoter came to the back and the little girl was out there with her parents. And, and he's like, well, I want you to go out and talk to this little girl. So she knows that you guys aren't mean. Her parents want you to come out and, you know, talk to her. So she calms down. And I said, absolutely not. Ooh. And he goes, well, that's what I want you to do. And, and it got kind of heated. And I said, well, we're not going to do it. We're heels. And, mm-hmm. and, and uh, he almost kind of threatened whether we work there again. I said, well, well, then we might not work here again. I'm fine with that, but I'm not going to go out there and apologize because that will ruin any heat we will ever have here again. And we will not draw yeah. for you anymore. Period. People, I, and he said, "Well, I'm worried they won't come back next month." I said, "They will come back next month because they want to see us get our ass kicked." Yeah,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly.
3: You know, and the next month we were back. Everything got worked out. We never went out there and apologized, and they were back in the front row again Amen. for our parents <laughs> because they want to see us get our ass kicked. But he was so worried about losing <laughs> yeah. this little girl and her and her. Two, and I'm like, they will be back. But some of the promoters don't even understand this anymore, and that's that's part. That's a whole other issue, that's that's another part of the problem.
4: I right. think. I think the best heel work is showing up late and interrupting D-Lo. I think that's the best way. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um, I,
3: I, I felt nothing,
2: Rick. I forgot you were even here. Oh, Damn. Okay, Damn. well, Rick, why don't you, why don't you co- tackle this question about villains? Yeah, what, what, um, what makes a villain for you, man?
4: You know, as a chicken shit heel manager myself, um, my job is just to get people annoyed and to hate me and, and to just despise me and want to see me get my ass kicked. And... When, when I go out there, my goal is to yell at kids, yell at adults, make them jealous that I got money, and they don't. And um, I honestly, I think times have changed, yes, that the good guy and the bad guy lines mm-hmm. are getting blurred. But what I'm seeing, though, is I just think we're just getting older. You know, when you get older and you're, as an adult, you see Santa Claus differently than a child would. I still think the heel thing is there, but it's just that we're older now, mm-hmm. and we we see. Well, you know what, Bray Wyatt's fucking cool, but a kid is still scared of Bray Wyatt, and Bray Wyatt is still scary to children. So I just think it's just as you get older, things change, and and the lines start to blur. As oh yeah, it's cool to like the bad guy. So that's that's my take on it. I honestly just think it, it's uh the 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 age and everything just changes. That's what's changed for me,
1: for sure. That's what I see it as. Okay.
2: Okay. Now, you know what? You guys
1: brought up the Hang on, because Dilo that... was the one that oh. threw out the question, and he was going to let he uh, Oh, yes. Dilo didn't answer. Before, oh. Yes. oh, my
0: goodness. So finally, for me, mm-hmm. and I agree with everything that's been said so far, being good heel comes down to three words for me. Perspective and conviction. Mm-hmm. Perspective. A heel, in his mind, believes he's doing the right thing. That he's the hero, yeah. I'll give you an example. He's the hero. Darth Vader thinks he's saving the universe. Thanos thinks he is doing the right thing by killing off half of everybody. (laughs) So in his mind, he believes he's doing the right thing from his perspective. Now, you have to have the conviction to follow that out. So you, you go through. I want to be cheered. I want to be the good guy. No, if I'm going to kill off half the universe, I'm going to follow that out through the end. Yeah. And to me, the difference between the difference between Stone Cold Steve Austin babyface, Stone Cold Steve Austin heel, is as a babyface he did this to the crowd. As a heel, he did this. think about that like it is very simple it is perspective and it is conviction in what you believe in Mm -hmm. and if you follow those through if i believe no matter how much i cheat lie or steal love you eddie no matter how much i lie cheat or steal if i think i'm doing what's right for me that makes me a good heel okay that makes me a great heel yes Mm -hmm. i agree very much. And if yep. I'm willing to follow through with it and be the guy that is booed when I'm seen out at the store, yeah. mm-hmm. if I'm willing to be the guy who is who's booed when I, if I'm driving down the street in my car, and someone goes, Hey, roll the window down. You suck. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: I've had that happen to me. <laughs> if you're willing to do that, that's what makes a great heel. Mm-hmm. That is the core of what a great heel is. Um, uh, uh, perspective and conviction to me. Okay. And that's been taught to me from the greats. Hell, I've had Ron Simmons to Jim Cornette to, God rest his soul, Pat Patterson, tell me this exact same thing in different words. Okay. Believe you want to be the worst thing going. But believe from your perspective, you're doing what you think is right for you. Even though I'm sense. going to screw this old woman over, it's right for me. Mm-hmm. So that's what other people are going to see, that you're screwing this old
2: woman over because it's going to benefit you. Back to heel. Okay. Now, uh, earlier we talked about, uh, you talked about that feeling of sometimes of when the bad guy gets the pin and the crowd goes silent and the thing i am going to give an example of that happening that i've seen and i want each of you to think of an example it could be something you've been part of or something that you saw where it just changed everything by the bad guy winning okay now the example i'm going to use comes from about 1983 or 84 it involved uh the stomper in um calgary alberta In the middle of a tag team, he was teamed with Bad News Allen. Well, you knew that was going to happen eventually. Mm -hmm. And his son, as they took on the hearts. During the match, uh, they kept playing. Bad News Allen was getting more and more frustrated with the Stomper. And in the end of the match, he turns around and pile drives uh, the Stomper's son into the cement floor. And the whole place went silent. Mm -hmm. For a few seconds. And then a real riot broke out. So much so the police wow. were involved, uh, people phoning the hospital constantly across the things, people fighting and trying to t- kill uh, Bad News Allen, who, of course, you know, was more terrifying than ever. But mm-hmm. there was an example of when the villain did a triumph and man, it, everyone in the room forgot they were at wrestling. It became too real, too much, mm-hmm. too quick. And that's part of one of the best parts of uh, it's going to always be a story in wrestling history that people who saw it will be like, or, or even were a part of it, We're like, wow, they'll never forget that. So I want to know uh, some kind of event or something that either is your own personal thing or something that you saw that affected you that way, where it was just like, <sighs> and I'm going to start off with, uh, I'll start off with Chief, okay? Chief, you well, you must have something like that. Yeah,
3: I'll give you a personal one and then I'll give you one real quick that everybody can look up and, and will uh, probably know about. But the night that, that Ivan Koloff beat Bruno Martino after his eight-and-a-half-year mm. title run, and mm. uh, the crowd went silent. That, that, that's, a, that's a very famous one. You can look up that match on YouTube. Now, one personally that I was involved with, uh, there's been quite a few, but one that was uh, was kind of scary was, was in Puerto Rico. The night I, I beat uh, Chickie Star for the IGWA title, the place went silent because I don't think they were expecting it to happen, and they were very upset, but the crowd went silent when I pinned him. And then I draped his body in the American flag, and then it got loud, and people started throwing <laughs> stuff. Oh, it took him yeah. ten I mean, minutes to get. It oh, took okay. them ten minutes to get me out of the ring.
4: So fucked up.
3: Yeah, um, but yeah, that 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 was an eerie, scary silence. <laughs> I can tell you that much. Wow, Dilo, you want to You want to take a uh, crack at this
0: one? I was at a Starcade match in in Philadelphia. It was Nikita Cole versus Magnum TA, best of seven series for the United States headway title, and it was 3 3. And in Veterans Stadium, uh Nikita used the Russian train the Russian chain to beat Magnum to win the US title. And Veterans Stadium, which of Eagles play, went silent. Oof. And there's Nikita, this Russian holding the U.S. title up over his head. <laughs> and this is still when stereotypes could play. They're like, yeah. <gasps> One, because we, you know, you'd always thought the Bay face was win. And here is, you know, there was, I mean, there was probably 10,000 people in the, in the building and it was stunned
3: and, and Magnum was at the away. height of his popularity then too. The, like he Magnum,
0: was the, he was the babyface. Yeah, he was. You, he was going to be world champion. So this was his last step before becoming world champion. Subsequently, he had a car wreck. Anyway, hold up a thing. Anyway, this was was a fan. Like Magnum, ta was the the bomb. He was the dude. And when Nikita beat him, place went silent.
2: <laughs> wow. That's a, that's a great example. All right. Uh, how about you, Rick? You one uh, of those?
4: Yeah, the most recent one, I would say Undertaker Streak Ending.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of that too, but go oh, ahead. Oh,
4: good one. <laughs> that, the fact that you can hear Paul Heyman screaming, What? What? And the, it echoes in the building because everybody was stunned to silence. It, and I know that's a cliche co- thing we've been saying, but it's true. The whole right. building was shocked. That guy has a, a meme. <laughs> the... Yeah. 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 <laughs> that kid is internet famous because of that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> who who could have imagined that? No one thought that was going to happen. Everybody who was kicking out. Everybody thought, everybody right away was like, that was a mistake. The ref made a mistake. How yeah. How's Vince going to fix this one? Vince got to come out, do something. But it didn't happen. And then about 10 seconds goes by, everybody's looking around, scratching their head, and like, and then they announce the winner, and everybody's just like, oh, shit, this is... Fuck you, bro! Yeah,
1: yeah. You. you can feel the air just getting sucked out of the building.
4: <laughs> and
2: then it returned <laughs> very angrily. Yeah.
1: Yes.
2: Okay, how about you, Andy?
1: I was gonna, that's what I was gonna use, too, as a, most, as a more recent one. I'm trying to think if there's anything else like that these days, but I think, you know, in a sense, the fact that uh, at least on the larger scale, I mean, I'm sure maybe you know, we've had uh, examples in the scene where it happens, but at least on the larger scale where you look at WWE, AEW, Impact, or whatever, there has been very few of those moments over the last 20, 30 years. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of actually shows how the business has changed, how that that level of true heat uh, isn't what it once was because mm-hmm. you're not getting that kind of reaction, and, and and I and I think like Taker's loss is the best example of this century, mm-hmm. really, because like you said, there's there's nothing else you can can compare where some something was so positive, like the like the like you know, in the sense of Dragon Slayer and Dragon. I mean, it's it's Undertaker was the Dragon Slayer, and yet he's still almost like bigger. Than the dragon not taking it away Mm -hmm. from Brock, but at the same time, you know the the big nasty fire breathing dragon, you know stomped out the dragon slayer, Mm -hmm. and everyone's just like, like like, you know, like like the expression goes. So I, I I think that's a testament to the the lack of true heat at least on the the major major you know level in professional wrestling in the past. I'll, I'll say 25 30 years.
2: Okay. You know what?
4: I, sorry. I am sorry to cut you. I just oh, I'm really ahead. interested in, in what Dilo Delo, what is there one personally that yeah, really person get, that grabs your attention? Um
0: obviously it was the example of of being the Rock, Rock Express but the, the Puerto Rico. Um I'm straight off WWE television. Um, so I'd gone down um, in what we, we had done some side work and Andy was there at the time, yep. which was to help out. Um, so they had brought myself and Chaz and, and, and Pete Gas down. They teamed me with Glambor Borshane. Yes. And so Glenbor Borshane and I had one The IWA Tag Team Titles, awesome. And so, fast forward two months, it's time to lose the titles, but I end up screwing Shayna the titles, and Chaz and I run off with the belts. Yep. So, there's a thing that happens in Puerto Rico, and you can judge how over you are as a heel as the bass bass is about to hit you, you hear the crowd go, Wah! Yeah. Wah! So you get a feel of how good you are as a heel. So the stun silence happened when I screwed Shane out of the titles. That's <laughs> so two weeks later um, is the first time Shane and I are interacting in front of a crowd. Where I'm never forgetting Coglis. And I'm going to run in... I'm gonna go to a text chain, he's gonna duck me, and he's supposed to punch me a couple times. And I remember running in, I could hear the rumbling. And as I slid in behind Shane, there is just this low. And there's there's probably and and and, and Andy will attest, there's probably six or seven thousand people out of TV taping in in Caguas. The place is quiet. And I swing it, I swing at Shane and miss. And my back is to Shane. I'm not even looking at him. And Shane is balling his fist up and I can hear the crowd going me uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> turn around. And as soon as he punches me, Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, yeah.
4: <laughs>
0: yes, because it meant they cared. Yeah, yeah. And that, you know, That's awesome. That was that moment where it's like that personal moment for me, where it was some Silence, but then you got to pay it off, and that first punch. And I, we were supposed to do more. I just jumped out of the ring because we had accomplished everything we needed to yeah. accomplish.
3: Less is more. Yeah. If we did, if we
0: did more, killed it. Just that one punch told me get gone, and 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 that was the that was okay. That was a good night, and that was a, that was a good night in Puerto Rico.
1: God bless Puerto Rico. Uh, God bless Puerto God Rico God bl- fans.
2: Don't forget, yeah. Andy. We are going to do an upcoming episode. We have Savio Vega and Sh- and Glamour Boy Shane who said they're going to come back in yeah. late January, or February, and do a Puerto Rico one. So we'll
1: maybe we'll, I'll we'll, try to get Dilo back for that too.
2: Oh my! I will.
0: I'll be hap, I'll hap, be happy to be part of that. Be happy. That's awesome.
2: And we got to find Chicky Star. That was the other one on my list. Yeah. I want to get. Oh, I there.
0: love that guy. I love yep. Chicky Star. So. He used me to to. Uh, he
2: me to Bacardi Rum. Love Chicky <laughs> Star.
1: <laughs> Bacardi and Medalla. Bacardi have any and Medalla
2: uh...
0: and 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 was uh, uh, Finlandia vodka. <laughs> you
3: have any of his Christmas? His <laughs> coquito that he makes for Christmas.
0: Oh yeah yeah
4: yeah 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 yeah. Our okay. our other host Tony Diaz makes coquito. He, <laughs> yeah, out, out of New Mexico, he sells it and stuff. That's a Puerto Rican thing, man. That's all. That's mm-hmm. all we do. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: you know what? I'll give you another quick. I'll give you another quick story. Sir. Yes, Puerto Rico. Okay. Yeah. Food all over the island. Okay. So uh, I remember driving with remember driving with with Chaz and with 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 with, with, with um, Andy. And we're doing this, ho- we're doing a show in, uh, Cabo Rojo. On
1: okay, the, the
3: island. far side yep. of the island. Okay. Southwest side.
0: But we also knew there was this dude, the Pinchos, out of his garage. <laughs> Pinchos. On the drive back. So we literally do the show and we get in the car and get in the car and drive as fast because we can. We want to get back to this guy's house. We pull him this drive. Well, we don't know him from Adam. Yeah. But he's making pinchos, <laughs> and we 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 we, we to close. We're like, dude, we'll buy everything you yeah. got. We'll buy every every everything you got. Just make them, and we probably had you know sixty pinchos are like a dollar a piece. Brand sixty dollars worth of pinchos that we just nibbled on. On the auto back to yep.
1: San Juan. It's just all that little chicken and then the little slices of bread yeah, all chicken, wrapped little up. Pork and yep. the yeah, everything. With a little just... piece
0: of bread on it
1: and a hot cross. Uh, you ever go
3: oh. out to uh, Pignones and you can lay out all the stands out there?
1: Yes, I've oh, been. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Paint everywhere you, you look. Is, yeah, because Pignones wasn't too far the, off from Isla Verde. Yep. Yeah,
2: yeah. no, Pinchos yeah. Pintos in the bocalada. Five, seven
1: miles, uh, yeah, right there. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Oh,
2: you guys saved me. Because I was going to have my ignorance and ask you exactly what you were talking about, but you guys described well, it. Yeah, so no, no. Thank I, you. I
1: forgot to let let, oh, yeah. let you, let the, the uneducated, know about the pinchos. Because thank you. It's one of the oh. greatest like shish
4: like, kebab. Yeah, pretty it's much like a shish, a shish kebab. kebab. Yeah. It,
1: it, it's crazy yeah. because I mean, and I, I mean, again, I'm speaking to like you know with these guys like 20 years ago. I don't know if they still have it and what. But I mean, oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know that you needed like a license or anything. It was just people would just like set up their barbecues and they have they, the grills on the side of the road. They still do.
3: On the way out to Pinoys, the, the people on the side of the road just park their car there and set up a grill and just sell them. I mean, you don't have it. a permit or anything; you can just sell them anywhere, yeah. you know. That's that's awesome. you don't. You
0: had no clue. There was no health department. There's no. No. I don't <laughs> know this guys clean or anything. You <laughs> know what? You you knew after about three weeks on the island where the good pinchos were, yep. and yep. where to stay away from.
3: <laughs> they, they had they had to be cooked on wood. They're better on wood. They're not. They're on yeah. Wood. That's, yep.
1: <laughs> if it, it, it's awesome I mean, like they were so delicious and you know, and you think about it, I because mean, really like they're not that unhealthy. So, you know, for like wrestlers like post post show to go and pick up, you know, like like five, ten, twenty dollars worth, like you're getting you're getting a especially back then, you're getting a lot of food for for that price. It was mm-hmm. yeah, man, I mean, it, it, was,
0: was, it was it was all steak or pork or or, or chicken. Chicken. Yeah, chicken. yeah chicken's and, and,
1: the main and, one. But yeah, yet, yeah, it was
0: just all, it was meat on a skewer. Yeah. So there's like no veggies is just meat on a skewer and a piece of bread on top. Yep, oh, yep. A,
3: yeah, a
2: piece of bread and, bread and some sauce.
1: I am so yep. for that. I am so for that. Puerto Rico Yikes. is one of the best places for food, man. Okay, okay. And, and
0: and I'm not even going to go into the Coco Locos of the um, <laughs> the Empress uh, Hotel. The Empress, because golly. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they would make this drink. I'm, I'm I'm taking over the show now. They would make this drink. They would chop a coconut, the head up a coconut. They'd pour the milk out. Yep. They'd pour in like Bacardi and something else or something else and put back in coconut milk and mix it and it would all be like a slushy and they'd go, here you go. And two or three of those and <laughs> you were a good <laughs> night, Daddy. Good night. <laughs>
1: Excellent, and and, and, and and the consummate heel, but yet the outside doing the baby face, Andy Anderson never indulged in, in such beverages, so no, I was always, always to good never, to be the designated driver.
0: Yes, no. Andy never indulged, although I tried to tempt him a few thousand yes.
2: times. <laughs> now, you know, when we we, we uh, just swing it back to, uh, to oh, what yes, we're talking heels. about moments. Oh, right. At moments, yeah, yeah. it's sort of... It's sort of funny because the only other two that really popped in my mind that I remember ever seeing were that kind of thing, is I thought maybe Andy might have picked up one of them, because they were both from the AWA. And uh, one of them, definitely in the later times of AWA, was a match between um, Playboy Buddy Rose and Doug Summers destroying the Midnight Rockers. Ah. The match where they kept beating them down, Shawn Michaels' first super big blood bath, you know, was that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you go back a little further, because it never happened to these kind of people, but to watch the Road Warriors destroy uh, the high flyers Ah. and Greg Gagne taking such a beating in the ring and no one would help him, no one could get in there because the Road Warriors were killing him, were another moments where, wow, the heels really went crazy on those. And you don't get a lot of those. Obviously, you know there's not a lot of that in, in wrestling history. Because, why? Actually, why? Why? Do, why don't these? Ha- why doesn't the villain get that far ahead that much? Anyone? That's a good question. Because
0: um, yeah. we remember I, it. So why is there not so many of them? I, I think it might be societal now,
3: yeah. mm-hmm.
0: where heels can't get that far ahead because. If you think back to the old WA or AWA or old WWF, you could have a, a nine month series with a baby face and the heel can win nine matches out of ten.
2: And yeah, he would have to won
0: that, yeah, but but uh, Yes, and if the babyface face won that tenth match out of ten, everything was good. Yeah. yeah. But you have to tell that long term story. And, yeah, and it, think,
3: go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, the heel had to keep screwing the baby face because once the baby face won, it was over.
0: Yeah, and, and it's like – it's That's like how they kept it going. The heel's got – if you look at the match progression, the heel's got to cheat to win. Then the heel wins by can out. Then the heel uses a weapon to win, which leads to a no count out match or a DQ match. And he'll find another way to win, yeah. which leads to a steel cage match where no one, you know, it, it all builds on top of it where I don't know if today's society can last with a six-month-long storyline.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, where, we, we talked uh, about this before. It's a fast-food society now. I mean, yeah. they're going from week to week on TV or just to the next pay-per-view, and then it's over, you know, and it's yeah. on to the next thing.
0: I, mean, I, honestly... I, I, I remember growing up where my storylines, lasted all summer long. Like, they mm-hmm. took you through the summer. So yeah. you'd have something starting in the spring, and it would pay off in the fall. Yeah. I don't know if that could happen today. No.
3: Yeah. And then when it was over in the fall, like like WWE, then they start working in the fall all the way to WrestleMania. And then yeah, all the blow-off mean. matches would happen at WrestleMania.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. You built you the built 10 pole points in the year. I find this out now as, as being on the inside. But if you go back to your childhood, it was like, you went from the spring to the fall. Something happened, which led back into the end of winter, which led back into the spring, which led to the summer, which brought you back to the fall. It was like these four tentpole events mm-hmm. that you would build to, you know, every three months. You didn't realize it as a kid, but that's how story arcs were. Yeah, where they were they were, and if they were really good, it would carry through, you know not just 30 days, but 60 days to 90 days, and we're bringing back a full circle to a year. And those were the good events. Like, those are the good stories where guys would come together, they had their angle, they'd do this, 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 they'd go away from each other. But there was always that tension between the two, and then they would come back together at the right point. And you'd be like, holy hell, here they go again.
4: You know, I honestly, honestly, I think, this whole thing with heels has changed because there's no super, super duper star babyface anymore. Um, like, who is the top babyface right now? Drew McIntyre,
0: but as see, great I'm gonna,
4: as I'm,
0: gonna I'm gonna go against you. Go ahead, and, go ahead. because there's no superstar babyface unless there's a superstar heel.
4: Right? Yeah, no, so and I and I and to,
0: there has to be has to be an anti-villain to create the hero. Let me okay. a hero to create the hero. So, without that mega guy who wants to behave, you can't have an antagonist without a pro antagonist. Okay. You can't have one without the other. So, I can't say there's no mega baby face because there's no mega heel.
4: Okay.
3: No, that's not like the say- argument. <laughs> Be- between Roddy Piper and Hulk Hogan, you know, well, who drew yeah. WrestleMania, you know, did they come to see Hulk Hogan or did they come to see Hulk Hogan beat up Roddy Piper, you know, or Did, same they, thing.
4: Or did Roddy Piper. Get, you yeah. know, and, well, well, that's what I was trying to say was mm-hmm. that you have uh, somebody like Bret Hart with the top babyface, And then you have his antagonist in Shawn Michaels. I'm mm-hmm. saying that I don't see that nowadays. Like we don't have, like, there is no top, baby face that like uh, John Cena was probably the last one that you wanted to see get over and triumph. I, 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 I think that's the problem is that we, like you said, I agree with you that you need both, but who is a baby face that's strong enough so that we can get him that villain. Cause yeah, I think Bray it, Wyatt is the ultimate well, villain. Yeah. You got to get the villain to
3: wait, make wait, the baby
1: face. And I don't think, it, I don't think it, Bray's it, enough of a heel. No, but is
0: Bray Wyatt is Bray White's not a villain. Bray Wyatt is a gimmick with a mask. Okay. A villain is a villain is not a guy who is gonna wear a mask. A villain is a guy who wants to make your mother cry. That's a villain. I see you. know, I I, I give you I'll give you an impact example. A guy like Sammy Callahan who does not care what you think yeah. of
4: him.
3: Yep.
0: Okay? He will he will spit in your face. He does not care. Which, when you have that, then you have an equal, yet opposite, Eddie Edwards, who is mm. now, your good guy isn't just, you know, my friend's bullshit good guy, it is, he is there to fight off this guy, which bring, elevates both, mm. uh, I truly believe without a, a, a top level heel, you can't ever tell a face, because if, if it's just... Hulk Hogan is not created unless he beats Iron Sheik.
3: Right. Yeah. Okay. I, I think. See I think about that. The problem no, in yeah. today's business, a, a lot of it is though, is is with the big companies. Everybody's so worried about being so politically correct that yeah. you can't allow a heel to be a real heel.
1: Yeah, they can't get yeah. you know, yeah. that, that yeah. heat. That that yep. heat.
2: Which comes yep. back to the story of like having to apologize to a five-year-old. Right. Yeah. 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 I see what you mean there. Okay.
4: No, um, and I, I totally see what I and I totally see what you're seeing, D-lo. That you need that that superstar heel to get the baby because the baby face has to go on that journey to become
1: that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. You okay. Need I got you. need the giant dragon because if you don't have the yeah. dragon, it doesn't big dragon doesn't make much of a dragon slayer when you're slicing little dragons and baby dragons. If, if you, if, you, if,
0: if, you. If, if you're a dragon slayer, and there's no dragon. Some
2: dude walking around with a sword. Yeah. yeah, you're a weirdo. Like, do now.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that was that was okay. really fun.
1: Okay, I want to throw something out here though, just because yeah. we're you know just a, a, a thought, and, and I'd like to I mean I'd like to get everybody's opinion, but but especially Delos on this now, because to me, up until recently, mm-hmm. I would throw to you that one of the closest heel heels that we had was MJF. Mm -hmm. we had because what i'm because at first when when he came on to me he was like he to me i thought he was doing things right as everything like everything despicable like and he was justified in everything that he was doing like he what he's saying he believes in uh he was doing nothing as far as like trying to get people to like him to be a cool heel to me he struck me as a heel heel Mm -hmm. which i thought was great but I think this association with the inner circle and especially, and I'm going to, I'm going to throw this as, as the major knock. I think the song and dance Mm. an entertaining bit, Sure. But I think that to me, that killed killed a lot of his heel heat and, and his reputation as a heel. Agree. Disagree. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm. I agree. I agree. My perspective on it. my,
0: My perspective is.
4: I disagree.
0: You have to let the story play.
4: Yep.
0: Because what, is, what if MJF is manipulating the entire inner circle to turn them babyface? And he, he's been working them the whole time. Mm-hmm. So he did the part of what he had to do. He, he went in there and kissed the babies and sang the songs, only to ultimately give it to yep. the, the whole inner circle in the end. That makes him a bigger heel because he manipulated the situation. So the story is not written yet. It is, you're judging an entire book by five chapters. Let the whole story play out and then look back on it and go, okay, he was the dude pulling the strings the whole time. What
4: a dick. Yep, I agree with that. I
1: I hope you're right because and I mean and t- <laughs> it's a long five
4: chapters. <laughs> yeah, but
1: but I mean but, but this is something we've talked about like and we do another show you know WPOV Global and we talk about dynamite and stuff and that's been one of the biggest things from the get-go was our whole thing was that you know MJF was somehow going to infiltrate and you know either turn them babyface or boot out Jericho and have like Jericho babyface. So I <laughs> hope you're right.
0: And, and I don't, I, once again, I'm just I'm just speculating, yep. but what if yep. his whole thing was to alienate Jericho? What if his whole thing was to take over the inner circle? What if his whole thing was to break up the inner circle because as a heel, he felt that was too big to go through, so you break it up so you could then ascend to where you want to go without having to deal with all them?
3: But okay. if it doesn't go that, that way, D-Lo, then do you think it did hurt him?
0: Well, then we'll come back and, and talk about that then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> No, and like I said, I, I hope you're right, because that's yeah. something all along that, that you know, you can go back and see them. That's something we've talked about was that right from the get-go was that this is what it was, this is what it was, this is what it was. But ne- to me, and this is, you know, for what I found and something that we've discussed is, you know, on one hand we talk about, you know, having story development, taking time to development, but in in some ways it's almost like this seems like it's almost – Taking too long, and the way that it's doing it is
4: mm-hmm.
1: the, the the emotional investment that we're that we look for isn't there right now mm-hmm. because it just seems to just be kind of just going along. And and, and, I, and maybe
0: the story's playing out too long. Maybe the story's playing. You know, that's that's up to you know here here or there. Yeah. If he if he, if he ultimately. Out heals the heels. Mm-hmm. Whether a month from now, whether it's a week from now, or two months from now, he'll be a bigger heel because of it. Because Bay base Faces couldn't destroy the inner circle, but this heel infiltrated and
1: destroyed yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I so hope you're pretty, right. I hope you're right. You know, and I want that would be wanna, pretty good.
2: Okay, and I want to equate it to I guess the, the, what Andy is saying here is, is, is maybe is like is like books. I read a ton of books, and if. The first five chapters are shitty. I'm probably not going to read on. But Mm -hmm. what happens in the story? Say uh, I'm reading a Superman story and the brilliant, the ending is brilliant. But what if in the beginning I see Superman changing and he's not a big muscular guy. He's a skinny little naked guy in a thing. That has damaged the rest of how I see Superman. No matter how the story turns out, I'm not going to unsee the horrible thing I saw. And I guess that's the problem I have is no matter how great you can write yourself out of this, you can't erase what I saw. And what I saw took away a lot from me of of what I see as a villain in my mind. And maybe it's just me. I can take that. Maybe that's just me and Andy's opinion. Maybe we're two old men howling at the moon. But at the same time, that's how I kind of see that is sometimes you can write yourself too far out of a story where it doesn't matter if you have Hemingway writing for you at the end. That story ain't coming back. No, I, I agree. And sometimes you go, you have your ending in mind
0: mm-hmm. and you know where you want to go. And sometimes you go way to left field to get back to home base. And mm-hmm. maybe left field is too far. Maybe you should only go into second base. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, yes, I can understand that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it, it's, it's experiment of writing, I guess. Um,
2: yeah. Yeah, and sometimes,
0: sometimes you don't know how. Taste. Yeah, sometimes you don't know how far to go too far. The next will be that far out, and uh, they'll be able to dial in. True. Um, okay. You know, just it's something to think about. All right,
1: yeah. It's, yeah. it's tough. I just, I'm just, say just for deal a yeah. It's tough, and because I mean, you guys know this, and I say this because I hate playing fantasy booker. And that's not what I'm trying to do. Because to me, I always say, it's like, you know, I've said this all along. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You don't know, mm-hmm. you know, who's hurt. You don't know who's got COVID. You don't know whose contract is this. You don't know who's in the doghouse with the office. And
0: that's, God, that's, that, that is what people don't know. That's nine cents the battle.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. you're dealing with
0: a thousand things that no one, that never plays out on TV.
1: Exactly.
0: Um, and, and and you're trying to, you're trying to build around and a million, a million invisible, and still trying to make a cohesive story yeah. that will make sense when it plays out, you know, Tuesday night, eight o'clock when Access TV, that's a plug. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll let you plug it again at the end of the show. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like you're dealing with a thousand things that you, that no one else knows. And sometimes stories are extended because you have no other option. Sometimes stories are shortened because you have no other option. Um, yeah. I think stories are best judged not while you're midstream, but they're retrospective and you build on that. Like, let's see how it plays out and then judge the arc of it as opposed to mm-hmm. let's not judge what could be three quarters or half an arc or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's let it play out and then
2: go back and look at the whole, its entirety, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and judge it there. I agree. I agree, and I'm going to say, you know, take a look at William Shakespeare, considered probably one of the greatest writers in the world. There is parts of Hamlet that are absolute dog shit, like he probably is spinning <laughs> in his grave going, "I kind of wish I didn't write that chapter." <laughs> and yet, it's considered one of the best writings in the world. So, yes. Well, I do get if that. If you look at it, if you look at it from a wrestling perspective, mm-hmm.
0: sometimes you throw a main event out there to bring the down to your main event. Pops the couch. Yeah. So sometimes it's intentional that you mm-hmm. you create this hole in order to blow it up at the
2: end okay now LEO, do you have your hand up there for the last little while because <laughs> uh, it kind of looked like you were trying uh, to weigh in sorry i didn't want to the rare time i was you were going to speak i was like i mean i'm ready to hear did you have something no, no I'm okay sorry yeah. yeah sorry okay now uh we're talking about heels and there's all different kinds of heels and heels tend to be, you know, there's the chicken shit heel, there's the big heel, there's the bullies. Um, but I wanted to talk about one, and I don't see this one very often, and I just wanted to get you guys' opinion. Does this can, can this really work, or was it just a small cutaway from what I saw? But I want to go back into the mid-'80s in Stampede Wrestling. To a wrestler whose name was, he called himself Muckin Singa at the time. Mm -hmm. He wrestled as Mike Shaw. You guys may know him later as Sebastian Booger and all these other crappy (laughs) level uh, characters that you saw. However, in this cutaway, when he was mucking sing, he was a 350-pound chicken shit bully. He was a big man. When you looked at him, he was massive. But he played the chicken shit heel all the time. He'd run away. He'd hide. He'd do all these things. Is that an effective... Like, they talk about... Uh, things work on small scale and then when wrestling gets into the bigger times you know like the indie versus the the big times is that a possible character or did he was just in a fluke thing was he the only guy to really make that work cuz i haven't seen that a lot where you have an extremely large powerful man acting like the ultimate coward Do you guys think that that that's just a small time thing
4: uh, i i don't think so i mean you had kamala you <clears throat> afraid throat> of the undertaker you know, he, and he would do chicken shit stuff. You had Andre afraid of the snake. Yeah, but that's uh, just one
2: little incident. When I'm talking about a character. That was his full yeah, character.
4: Yeah, well, then that's not, I don't think that'll play out, but I think you could have small moments in which mm-hmm. they do that, and I don't think that that can last for a long time. No, I don't think so.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah, well, you don't I, want... I, I, I agree. I think you could have moment in, moments in a character's development where he's scared, you know, Mm-hmm. who's doing a casket, um, you know, but I don't think over a long-term career, you can mm-hmm. have a 350-pound guy who's a chicken shit. Yeah. I just don't think that plays out um, in today's society because he's physically so big. Uh, it just doesn't, I don't think, it, it goes against people, what they see and what they feel. And when you get juxtaposing positions
4: mm-hmm.
0: you've lost
3: people yeah okay yeah and it depends on the psychology behind it too because rick flair i mean he wasn't 350 pound guy but he would play the chicken shit just to draw yeah. you in and then poke your eyes right you know um you know by begging off in a corner or something so he was acting like the chicken shit heel to get an advantage but deep down then, was he really a chicken-shit heel or was he just, you know, drawing him in, you know, doing the old uh, playing possum and, a little
0: bit. mean, that's where it works. Yeah, and Blair's not the biggest guy in the world, but he, yep. he drew you in to his antics to bring you to a position where you can take advantage of Right. Okay. So that works. But when you're 350 pounds, you can't, when you're like Mike Shaw, you can't be <laughs> that chicken-shit. It doesn't even work like, if I'm in a, I use the bar fight mentality. Okay, yeah. I'm looking at a 350 pound guy, and he's backing up for me. I'm gonna be very cautious approaching him in real life. I'm mm-hmm. not just gonna walk in and have him take advantage of him because he's 350 pounds. But if he's 110 pounds and he's backing off, I'm gonna walk in, and take advantage of me. there's a difference. Yeah. So I don't think a 3 pound chicken shit heel works in any wrestling.
4: Yeah, and, and they tried that recently with Lars Sullivan, and they dropped it real quick. They tried mm-hmm. to get us to feel sorry for him, and, oh, they call him a freak, and it's like, but, dude, you're you're a freak. You're a giant. You're huge. You're yeah. hundred plus, 300-plus. And, and it just didn't get over, and they just scrapped it real quick because it yeah. was just not believable. See, I, I, once again, I
0: used I, I just said it a second ago, the bar fight, bar yeah. fight mentality. I use the bar. If it wouldn't happen in a bar, why does it happen in wrestling? So yeah, if you're 6'6", right. six, six, pounds, you're not backing off to anybody. Yep. yep. You know, you're 6'6", six, six, 300 pounds, you're the aggressor.
3: Right. Yep.
0: Other guys would mm-hmm. be backing off. All right, I agree. It just doesn't – people see it and it does not click in their head. Why is this big-ass dude backing off?
3: It doesn't this seem doesn't realistic. Doesn't
0: right. No. no. Mm-hmm. So, when a guy who's 5'11", pounds, he can back off because he's baiting you in to kick your knee out, mm-hmm. kick with a nut, or poke your eye. That's okay. 6'6", six, six, I don't ever see him backing off from anything.
4: Okay, uh, fair enough. But
2: well, you know what, guys? We've talked about villains today, and we've uh, talked about the the impact of villains upon the story of wrestling we've we've talked about them through the years the changes the psychology behind it and you know what we've probably only just scraped the surface uh a very fascinating topic. And I want to thank each uh, each and every one of you who've weighed in today. Uh, some incredible, incredible ideas to think about. And, and I want to thank each of you. And uh, before we go, let's throw it out to our two main guests here. Let's give them uh, some social media plugs that they want to throw out there, anything they want to promote. And uh, we'll start off Dilo. Uh, throw out anything you want to promote, social media, shows, whatever you want. Well,
0: first of all, I want to thank you guys for having me on here. And well, um as you said, villains are a topic that acts as the alphabet it goes from A to Z Canada Z um why in Vancouver um <laughs> and, and, and each version has a different layer upon a layer upon a layer so it is it is the landscape of heels are vast and it would take. 10 shows of five hours long to try to get to the bottom of what a true heel is. But mm-hmm. I appreciate you guys for having me on here and entertaining my, my thoughts and my perspective. Um, and I want to thank everyone who's been here with me for joining me on this little ride. Um, it's been fun. Uh, I, I'm pretty easy to find. I'm on Twitter at Brown 75 the only verified DLO. I talk wrestling I talk Chicago Bears football and Liverpool soccer. Uh, those in the UK football, um, and then I talk wrestling. I talk rest time, and, and that's what I do. Um, and you can find me and my work on Impact Wrestling uh, every Tuesday on Access TV. Another plug. Um, <laughs> and and you you can find my you know some of the things that I'm involved with there. I, I I'm a producer there, so I create some of the matches that you get to see uh, and, and look, I'm always up for an intellectual talk about wrestling. So if your fans want to reach out and talk, I am willing to have a, a an intelligent intellectual conversation about wrestling. Mm-hmm. Please don't waste your time. If you're going to call me an idiot or hate with my perspective, yeah, no time no for that. that. But if, if you want to have a true intellectual conversation, I'm sure any member of the panel would have that exact same conversation. Um, I, I love talking this business and what it means to me. So. Please feel free to hit me up
2: anytime you want.
3: Excellent. Well, thank you. Uh, Chief? Well, you can find me at the usual places on Twitter, at the Chief Atta, and then two pages on Facebook. I got Rod Ada Kula, Kula and Chief Atta Kula, Kula which is fan page, but um, most mo- most people are actually on my Rod Ada Kula, Kula one. For some reason, that's that's uh, built up bigger over the years. And then I'm also on Instagram, too, at Chief underscore Atta Kula, Kula.
2: Excellent. Now you can find this show, uh, WPOV Quarantine, every Tuesday on all of your available networks. Also on our network, we have WPOV Global featuring me, Andy and Elio talking every week about AEW and some of the other independent uh, shows that you'll see. You'll hear us talk New Japan, uh, MLW, Impact, all the other companies and try and keep you up with all the going on's going on there. Every Friday, or sorry, every Saturday morning, we have uh, WPOV Wrestling featuring Rick Serrano III and Tony Diaz, uh, where they talk everything that's uh, WWE related. And uh, we also have WPOV Aftermath, our new show where we cover uh, who knows what iteration of us hosts. We'll talk about a major pay-per-view afterwards, break it down a little, tell you what we thought about it. You can find all those places. You know what? I've had such a uh, overload, Rick. Tell them all the network places we can find these. You
4: shows. can find them on iTunes, YouTube, Pop, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn Radio for free. Make sure you guys check it out, subscribe, like, listen. Also, go to prowrestlingtees.com dot slash Wrestling POV. Buy a shirt, people. It costs money to have these shows. Just for nineteen ninety nine, you can help us by helping you by helping us, and that's what we want you guys to do. So just buy a shirt, nineteen
1: ninety nine plus shipping
4: and handling also holiday go to season. Uh,
1: so holiday season buy a t-shirt exactly
4: buy a t-shirt holiday season also go to carlalbobrand.com uh and use the promo code wpov save yourself 10 percent
2: excellent you know uh, andy was sweating it because he knew i th- was going to throw the t-shirt thing over at him
4: <laughs>
1: oh, honestly i knew you weren't i knew not today and i, I yeah? figured either with, with rick here or you were just going to do it i felt i was okay today
2: okay and the last <laughs> thing we're going to say is uh elio tell people where they can write into
1: and write in on
4: Facebook at Wrestling POV Podcast, Instagram Wrestling POV1, and Twitter at Wrestling POV.
2: Thank you. And you know what? Sorry, d Brown. I know that uh, Elio just wouldn't shut the fuck up most of the show, but I'm sorry mm-hmm. he had to break in and, and just ruin it for us all. But anyways, folks, we want to thank you all. We've learned one thing today is that Elio is the true villain of this whole show. And uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you guys for tuning in. We have some more great stuff coming up. We'll see you next time, guys. Thank you. Elio, say good night to the good people. Fans we'll talk to you all next week. <laughs>